We go online, we look and see what other therapists are doing, and then we immediately begin judging ourselves and we assume that we have nothing to add to the conversation. Well, let me just tell you that's absolutely not true. No one is born with an Instagram following, with an email list, with a number one ranking on Google. No one begins life that way and no one begins being a therapist that way either. These are things that people have built over time. It's a skill set that they've learned and they've honed. They've probably had a lot of help to get there along the way. And this means it's also something that you can learn. Hey there, and welcome to The Bad Therapist Show, the podcast for current and aspiring private practice therapists who want to earn more money, work less, and have a way bigger impact. I'm your host, Felicia, the bad therapist, former goody-goody therapist turned six-figure private practice owner and therapist business coach. I'm here to help you learn everything you need to know about private practice and expanding beyond the one-to-one model so you can earn more money and increase your impact as a therapist without burning out or hustling. Using my proven liberated business method, therapists at all stages of business have been able to grow their income while becoming even better therapists. And I'm on a mission to help you do the same. It's time for you to get your time back and enjoy being a therapist again. You ready? Let's get started. Hello, and welcome to The Bad Therapist Show. I'm your host, Felicia, The Bad Therapist. Today, we're talking about marketing your practice on the internet. Every year, I work with therapists to market their practices online, and one of the most common fears that I hear is some version of, is there still room for me and my practice on the internet? Is the therapy industry oversaturated? Has everything already been said about anxiety or postpartum depression or whatever my specialty is? How do I avoid wasting time if I'm going to be marketing my practice on the internet? In this episode, I'm going to be addressing those very common questions. I'll share the good news with you right now. There is still room for you to market your practice online. In this episode, I'm going to share my tips for how you can do that effectively and why that's not the only strategy that you should be using to fill your practice. Let's get into it. So the first question, is there still room for me on the internet? Has everything already been said? Is a really, really common concern. Chances are when you are first considering marketing your therapy practice online, you go online, you see what else is out there. You might go on Instagram or you might Google your area and your specialty just to see who else is around. And maybe you end up finding a therapist that has thousands of followers, maybe tens of thousands of followers, maybe even millions of followers, or you see someone who has a website and they're ranking number one on Google, and then you go to their website and it looks amazing all of these things. And then you think, oh no, they've already beat me to it. There is no room to talk about anxiety or postpartum depression or financial health or drug addiction or whatever. You just think, okay, the market is already saturated, which is a term that we hear a lot. You think the market is already saturated. Why would anybody come to me, look at my work, listen to what I have to say when clearly this person has already made such a name for themselves? Why would anybody look at me? I have zero followers. I don't even have a website yet or whatever. Maybe you do. But this is a very, very common reaction. We go online, we look and see what other therapists are doing, and then we immediately begin judging ourselves and we assume that we have nothing to add to the conversation. Well, let me just tell you that's absolutely not true. 
No one is born with an Instagram following, with an email list, with a number one ranking on Google. No one begins life that way, and no one begins being a therapist that way either. These are things that people have built over time. It's a skill set that they've learned and they've honed. They've probably had a lot of help to get there along the way. And this means it's also something that you can learn. It's also not true that everything has been said about anxiety or whatever specialty you have because you're going to say it in your own unique way. And I know that might sound like something your mom would tell you, like, honey, you're special, but I do really mean it. Yes, there's probably not tons of groundbreaking new information about the treatment of anxiety, but that's not the point. The point isn't to go online and say something that no human being has ever said or thought before. The point is to go online and to speak your truth, trusting and knowing that there's a certain group of people out there who's most going to resonate with you, and they might resonate with you for a number of reasons. It might be just your vibe, to, for lack of a better word. You might be somebody that they feel like they could actually sit in a room with, somebody that they feel they could open up to. It could be your particular verbiage, the word choice that you use. Uh, it could be something else about your identity that they relate to. But point being that there are people out there who are going to respond more to you than to a therapist who is more established. I mean, there are even people out there who are going to be put off by seeing a therapist who has a massive Instagram following, right? Like there's some people out there who would actually be dissuaded from working with somebody like that. And so that isn't to say if you have a massive Instagram following that you should like go delete, you know, you should like ruin your <laughs> Instagram account now or whatever. But it is to say that even as famous as one person may be, there are going to be clients out there who actually don't want that. So whether you're going the route of wanting to have a massive, massive following online or you just want to stake out a little corner of the internet for yourself so that people can find you, know that there is room for you. I think we put tons and tons of pressure on ourselves to come up with something that's completely novel. And to me, that expectation is pretty ridiculous. My personal belief is that there I probably have never had an original idea in terms of like human history. I mean, think about even sci-fi. Like, people have been coming up with things uh, and imagining them that literally didn't even exist, and then later on they do. I'm just, I'm not convinced that many of us are having truly, truly novel ideas, but I don't actually think that's a bad thing. I think it's just a feature of the fact that there have been so many human beings around. We are wildly imaginative and we are so creative. And so I don't actually put pressure on myself to come up with something totally new. I know that a lot of the things that I share on this podcast are probably things that you might even hear on other podcasts. But I also trust that there are going to be some people listening to this who are going to just for whatever reason really like hearing it from me. And that's okay. That isn't to say that I don't think about trying to have fresh takes or interesting ideas. But I also don't disqualify my ideas if I think someone else may have thought about them before, because that would mean I would probably never create anything ever. And it's actually kind of encouraging to know that there are other people with these same ideas. Rather than feeling like threatened by them or like there's not room for me because someone already said it first, in my best moments, I think, 
wow, this is so great. This is a message that I want to see more about in the world. And I'm actually glad I'm not the only one saying it. Like, I would love it if more people thought this way and believed this. And so it's actually a good thing that I'm not alone in these messages. And it's also a good thing that I am the person I am. Because once again, you're prob- some people are going to like hearing this from me more than they like hearing it from somebody else. I'm going to share a little story with you that I heard from my teacher. And my teacher started teaching meditation like decades ago, and he was referencing his own teacher's ideas and things he learned from him in his uh, teachings. I'm using the word teaching so much. I hope this is making sense. And he started to feel uncomfortable with this. And so he approached his teacher and said, hey, is it all right that I'm like referencing you and the things that you taught me? Like, I don't want to like just steal all, you know, seem like I'm stealing your ideas. And his teacher's response was, all wisdom is plagiarized, only your ignorance is original. Now, I don't know that I buy that even my ignorance is original. I don't think I'm ultimately that creative, but I do think there's a lot of beauty in this idea that wisdom is wisdom. If it's true, if we're talking about the nature of reality, if we're talking about deep, profound truths, we're all going to be pointing at the same things essentially. And that's ultimately a really, really good thing. Now, this isn't me telling you, don't even worry about plagiarizing or like go take other people's ideas and pass them off on your own. Go take someone's IP or writing and rip it off. That is couldn't be further from what I'm saying. And in fact, I highly recommend that you reference your teachers, that you reference who you're learning from. And I guess I'll just say who my teacher is right now in case you're like, well, wait a minute, where'd that anecdote come from? This comes from Vinnie Ferraro, who is a meditation teacher and uh, the teacher at Big Heart City here in San Francisco. And he's uh, the meditation teacher that I've been working with for a while. And another person who I've been informed by is Kimberly Pendleton. She was my private coach for quite a while and is a friend. And this is actually a lesson that I really did learn from her. She taught me how important it was to credit our teachers and our elders and the people who came before us and the people we learned from. So there is a really beautiful way of not putting pressure on ourselves to create something entirely novel while also respecting our various lineages and making sure that we're not actually stealing from people or doing anything that is unethical or wrong. So I hope that gives you a bit of a a broad spectrum or just like another way of thinking about how to take up space online and how to share your ideas. Again, it can be so helpful just to understand that you do not actually have to come up with an, an idea that no human has ever thought before because, and if you do, gosh, please tell me, I would be so curious what it is. <laughs> Again, I'm pretty convinced I have never had a truly, truly original idea but that's okay. I'm seeking wisdom and wisdom keeps on happening over and over again. Like my teacher's teacher said, all of that is going to be plagiarized essentially. My hope is that this is somehow uplifting and encouraging to you rather than frustrating. I guess I could imagine you listening to this and thinking like, well, great. If it's actually already already been said, what's the point of saying anything else? And again, I think the point of saying your own version of truth, your own version of wisdom, is that you add your voice to the chorus and that you kind of turn around and you grab someone's hand behind you who's ready to take that next step. I was 
talking with one of my private clients recently and using this metaphor that that I just shared right now, this person was expressing kind of being frustrated with how slowly humans are sort of responding to the needs of our world. And it was causing some heartache and they were wondering what they could do or like how, you know, how do I live in a world when people aren't moving as quickly as they really need to move to address some of these issues? And my response to them was like, you know, the way I see it is we we are changing. But the way that we're changing is by person by person by person, we are we are reaching and extending our hands behind us to grab one person who has their hand outstretched. And we're all trying to, in in our messy, human, imperfect way, move towards something better. And so you are a crucial link in that chain. You are the person who is the perfect person to reach behind you and grab the hand of another. And so because of that, your voice is incredibly important. And there is absolutely room for you, not just on the internet, but in our field and in our world. The work that you do makes a difference. And so marketing your practice on the internet is just one of the many options for how you can bring your work kind of from this um, segmented, closed off sphere into a broader context. And, you know, I am a child of the 80s. I kind of grew up as the internet grew up. And the fact is, is that this is just the space where a lot of people are connecting and a lot of people are looking for resources. It's not necessarily that the internet is somehow like better or worse. It's just that that's become the virtual town square. And so, even though more and more people are on it, even though more and more therapists are on it marketing their practices, it's just the town square where people share about their work. And so there's absolutely room for you to be there. And the landscape has changed. You know, one of the things that's happened in recent years is so many more therapists have gone online and started to share about their practices. And so if you've been kind of like coming of age as a therapist or as a private practice owner during this time, it could feel kind of overwhelming. And if you're a person who's been on the internet for a while marketing your practice, you might feel like, oh my gosh, this suddenly got way more crowded. <laughs> there used to be a lot less of us on here. And you're right. We are in a state of flux. We are in a state where so many more therapists are becoming savvy about marketing and are modernizing their marketing. And another thing to just say here is that marketing is always changing. It's not going to be a one-and-done thing. That's sort of, uh, I think, a fantasy about life is that we'll somehow like hit the jackpot and we'll be like, great, this is just like the way to do it forever. Marketing takes energy and the landscape of marketing, as well as the impact of the economy on our field, as well as therapy-seeking behaviors are constantly in a state of flux. So if you can understand that that's what's happening and that actually is not at all personal to you, that's not like you did something wrong. It's like, no, literally market forces are changing <laughs> the trajectory of like the therapy industry. And that's not like a thing that you did or didn't do. However, you as a business owner would do well to adapt to these changes and be curious about it. So hopefully all of that has assuaged some of your concerns about marketing your therapy practice online. Now I want to talk a bit 
about how you can show up on the internet for your therapy practice in a way that's actually going to work. My number one tip, if you are a sensitive soul like myself and maybe a little prone to discouragement, is to put your blinders on. Now, I've said this on the podcast before. I This has been so helpful for me, and I think it's really helpful when you're especially just getting started with a new marketing endeavor online. Maybe if you really feel like it's helpful, you can look around a bit to see what else is out there in terms of what other therapists are doing, but I would not really spend much time doing that. Uh, Instead, I would just pick a plan, pick a strategy and approach, put your head down and execute on that plan. Do not pick your head up and go run off to one corner of this internet and see what this other therapist is doing and see what that other therapist is doing because that is likely to spin you out into those fears and concerns that it's already been said. You may get up in your head about things. Now, you could be a different type of person. Perhaps you feel very, very inspired, and this is actually a great way to help you uh, come up with ideas. But again, if you're a sensitive soul, if you're prone to discouragement, I would actually have you put your head down and focus on creating whatever you want to create. Another reason why I'm saying that is because so often we will use looking at other people as an excuse for not doing the thing we said we were going to do. We will get stuck in a trap of observing and learning and tweaking without actually executing on the thing that we said we wanted to do. So this can be a huge time suck and not actually help you build a skill set. You are likely going to learn more from actually trying different things out in your business, then you're going to learn from constantly checking on what other people are doing. Because at the end of the day, you're not building their business, you're building your business. So you need to understand what works and what doesn't work in your business. What other people doing? Yeah, that might be a little bit relevant, but ultimately what's happening for you and your business is going to be way more important than learning the latest trend. Now, when it comes to where to show up online, right, because saying like marketing your practice online is incredibly big. There's so many different places where you could show up. There are therapist directories. You could focus on uh, bringing more traffic to your own therapy website. You could use social media. You could create a freebie and an opt-in and build your email list. There are so many different ways to market your therapy practice online. And rather than going through every single one here, I want to point you towards another episode that really helps you uh, define your marketing strategy, make it simple, make it clear. And that is episode six. Episode five is also really helpful because that is about marketing mindset. What people can get really tripped up on here is like, okay, but which one is the best for therapists? Like, which one can I do so I waste the least amount of time? And the totally honest truth is that it depends. It just really does. I wish I could sit here and be like, just do this and you will have no problems whatsoever. But I think because of what I was saying earlier, that marketing is just really changing. And I do think the field of therapy, like the therapy market, has changed really significantly in the last few years, like 2020, 2021, had a similar vibe. There were tons of therapy seekers. The average American had more money to spend. I know lots of people lost their job and fell in a lot of hardship. But in general, Americans generally had more money to spend, and there was tons of people looking for therapists. We're seeing in the last year a shift where people are starting to tighten their belts again, All of us have kind of gone online as therapists, and now we're all kind of here in this online space, whereas I think before the pandemic, that wasn't as true. There were a lot of us who hadn't kind of gotten online, and now so many more therapists are online. 
And there was a huge change in Google's algorithm and how websites are ranking online. So point being that there have just been tons of shifts, especially in these last few years. And your marketing strategy online, I think, is going to largely depend on your preferred way of communicating and then what you're seeing in your business. So again, it's more important for you to choose a strategy that works for your business, not a strategy that you see kind of out in the world just because this person has a huge therapy practice and this is what they're doing. So it means it automatically works. That is just so not the case. The best data is the data that's going to come from your own business. Now, I recognize that when you're first starting out, you may not actually have a lot of data. And again, if you're like me, if you're kind of a sensitive soul prone to disappointment, then I was really in a place at the beginning of my business where I needed to keep my marketing strategy really simple and just get over my fears of being visible online, making mistakes, saying something that had already been said a billion times, you know, like my all my fears around like, who's going to listen to little old me, you know, I really just needed to set honestly a kind of low bar for myself and be like, I just need to go get online because I'm just scared of doing that, right? Like I just need to get comfortable with that. And so for a long time, I kept it that simple. And over time, I've tweaked and changed what seems to be working in my business and how can I do more of that and how can I let go of some things that aren't working for me. And that is a sort of constant assessment. Things are always shifting. And so again, it has had so much to do with me kind of challenging my own fears and building up my own uh, courage online And it's been, what are people responding to? What do I want to create? You know, I created this podcast kind of because I think people like podcasts. I know I do, but I created it because I wanted to create a podcast. This is something that appealed to me. And so I think a great question for you to ask yourself, especially if you're starting from scratch, more or less, especially if you don't have a lot of data, is what do you want to create? Where's What is a place or a platform or an avenue through which you could show up repeatedly and you would be really willing to stick with that through the moments that feel hard? And they will happen. There will be moments where you feel awkward online or like you just don't want to sit down and write another blog or write that post. So it's really important that you have an avenue that you can show up in that you feel willing to engage in. And so again, some people are love to talk. They love to be on video. And for them, like probably a visual-based platform is going to work better for them. They might actually be great at starting a YouTube channel or they might be great at having a podcast. For other people, they excel at writing. And so they would be so good at creating a blog that or an email newsletter. There are other people who really, really like to teach. So they might be able to create a killer freebie, something that's going to be so helpful for their niche. And the people who get it are going to love it so much and be so warmed up to working with them. So again, you should really think about what is your interest? Like, where do you really shine when it comes to connecting with other people? What sort of ways do you like to engage with other people? And then look for a marketing avenue that will allow you to utilize that skill set that you already have. A big concern that people have when marketing their practices online is that they're really, really worried about wasting time or money. And so, again, they look to see like what out there is working. And you will find people who have Psychology Today profiles who are like, that's where I get all of my clients. You'll find and then and then you'll get on Psychology Today and you're going to be like, I don't get it. I'm not getting clients. What's going on? 
Or you'll hear from people who they're like, I bought this therapy website template and it's amazing. And now I get all of these clients and you're like, okay, I guess I got to buy a template. And so then you run out and you buy a template and you're like, okay, I've got a new template. Gosh, why aren't I getting therapy clients, right? It's so tempting to just pull your friends and be like, what's working? And that that's not inherently a, a bad thing. I think your friends could potentially have really useful things to share here. But my point is that it very, very rarely is it this kind of silver bullet thing. There, It's usually a combination of a few different things. And again, almost always, you're going to need to tweak it and adjust it over time. So the best way to make progress, the fastest way to make progress is to start. I know that's so annoying. I on it like I'm racking my brain trying to figure out if I could just like hand you that like answer like yeah, great, just go out and do this thing and you'll for sure have everything you want. But again, that's not how it works. It's this iterative process and your business is going to be your best teacher. It's going to tell you what it needs more of, what it needs less of, and when you can kind of cultivate a sense of a relationship with it, then that can be such a better way to approach it. Because again, if you're kind of approaching it with this rigid, tight, like you've got to work or else I hate you, (laughs) you know, which is the way I think a lot of us will approach our businesses because we're under a lot of stress and we want it to work out. And, you know, we're relying on it for our income. You know, all of these things are true. And as much as possible, if you can have an open-hearted approach to your business and really be in that relationship with it, you ultimately are going to get better results. Another thing that's going to be really helpful in filling your practice is if your niche is clearly defined. So that is always true. It doesn't matter what is happening in the economy. It doesn't matter what is happening on the internet or what is happening in the therapy industry. Having a really clearly defined niche is always going to be incredibly helpful for however you market your practice online. If you want to do a deep dive on how to figure out what your niche is and find some languaging for that, then please go listen to episode four of the podcast. That is incredibly helpful. So because the internet is always changing, because the industry and the market are always changing, I highly recommend that marketing your practice online is not the only avenue for marketing your practice. I think that networking will never go out of style. That person-to-person connection and trust is so helpful and humans are just always going to respond to that. So having a network that is not dependent on algorithms or an internet connection is so helpful. You can network with other practitioners in your area. Another really great approach is to go to the places where your ideal clients hang out. I had a client on the East Coast who specialized in working with young people and parents, and they would do workshops at schools and libraries around topics that were super, super relevant to parents and students. So their workshop that they did reliably turned into two private practice clients because they had something to offer that was useful to their ideal client that established them as knowledgeable on the topic. And so again, that wasn't something that just happened overnight. This therapist probably didn't know when they first began going down this avenue what the results were going to be. But it was a really, really smart choice. And it's so easy to look at something like that to be like, oh my gosh, okay, so I need a workshop that I can do in community centers. It would be so easy to just oversimplify it and then make a thing and then not have that exact same experience and assume that that strategy sucks. And the reality is that's not true. 
this therapist iterated this idea over time, and this now works reliably. And that happened through listening to what happened in her business, collecting the data, seeing the results, and tweaking her presentation over time. And like I said, now she reliably gets two clients into her practice every time she runs one of these, which is worth thousands and thousands of dollars every year. And not only this, but as she's grown her group practice, she's actually taught other people in her practice how to do these workshops. So the impact of this workshop continues to be amplified. So my questions for you when it comes to deciding how you're going to show up and market your therapy practice online and the messaging that you're going to share, first I would ask you, what can't you shut up about? What is the thing that you're talking about over and over again? And if you want help like crafting your messaging and putting it more into terms and into a perspective that your ideal clients are going to respond to, then I really do recommend the story brand framework. That has been really helpful in my own business and for my clients in terms of taking the things that we can't shut up about and actually formatting them in a way that's going to be compelling to somebody who hopefully will hire us. And that's something a lot of us kind of struggle with. Again, it's it's not something we're naturally uh, born with the ability to do, but it is something that we can learn over time. And that is a resource that I really love. So once you can answer the question, what can I shut up about? And you can translate that into a format that's actually going to be compelling to people who would hire you. Then the next question becomes, where can and will I show up? What format makes the most sense for me? And again, do be willing to get uncomfortable here. Even if something makes sense for you, you will still likely encounter challenges and you need to be ready and willing to experience those. So think about where you're willing to show up, what format you like to use to connect to people, and really stay focused on creating content that lights you up and speaks to your ideal clients. Don't worry about what other people on the internet are saying and doing. Just stay focused on your mission and your message. And the next tip for you is to frequently check the data. Don't use data to be mean to yourself. That's definitely something I have done before. Don't use the data to be mean to yourself. Use the data to help you understand what's going on in your business. And if you're at a place where you're like, ah, data, I don't know what to do with this. I'm not really sure what to make of it. I just feel stressed out anytime I look at it. Then if you're, if that's you, don't worry. I've been you. I get it. Don't do that yet. Just focus on creating. And once you've built up more resilience around that, then I would have you go look at the data and start to mine that for information. You can't waste time. You are learning. This gets to be a learning process. You're not wasting time when you're learning how to play an instrument and you're not playing the song perfectly yet. You're learning. This is called learning. So be gentle and kind with yourself through this process. You are not just learning how to market your therapy practice online by engaging in these things that are challenging. You are also bringing up your own spiritual gunk to be looked at and examined and healed. So if you are feeling activated, if being visible feels scary but exciting and you notice little tingles when it happens, that is a sign that you're actually uncovering something and you're growing. And that is a good thing. Being an entrepreneur, being a therapist in private practice is a deeply spiritual process, not just because of the work we engage in with our clients, but because of the entrepreneurial side of this and because of how that intersects with doing such deep-hearted work that we do. 
your own spiritual process is absolutely never a waste of time. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope this episode has been encouraging for you and left you with a few tips for how you can show up online to market your therapy practice while also making sure that you have a marketing effort that isn't dependent or reliant on the online world. I would love to hear your thoughts on the podcast, so if you found this helpful, please leave a review and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. And come say hi and follow me on Instagram at The Bad Therapist. I would love to see you there. Have a great week. That's all today for The Bad Therapist Show. Thanks so much for hanging with me. I hope you got some gems that you can start using right away in your own business so that you can break out of good therapist conditioning and build the business that you want. If you've gotten something out of this episode, don't keep it to yourself. Share it with one of your good therapist friends who really needs to hear it. And while you're at it, please consider leaving a rating and or review so that we can change not just our individual businesses, but transform the mental health system that got us here in the first place. Thank you so much. I'll see you next week for more private practice and coaching tips. Remember, bad therapists make the best therapists.